you might not have caught this, but the Old Testament epistle reading occurred at the beginning of the service. The New Testament epistle reading was sung to us. That's Philippians 2. And now we will have the reading of the Holy Gospel. And you have a part in this. If you open up your bulletins to page 5, you are the crowd. So if you look up that bolded spot, that's your reading today. So when we get to the congregation spot, you will read those words with us. to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt and put Jesus on it. As he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. When he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, I tell you, if they kept quiet, the stones will cry out. As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, If you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it's hidden from your eyes. The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground, you and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. Then he entered the temple area and began driving out those who were selling. It is written, my house will be a house of prayer but you have made it a den of robbers. Every day he was teaching at the temple, but the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the leaders among the people were trying to kill him. Yet they could not find any way to do it because all the people hung on his words. This is the word of the Lord. Now may the words of my mouth and the meditation of, of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord. Amen. If you had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. Last night, I got angry at my daughter Abigail. Yeah, I mean, for me to get angry at my daughter Abigail is, is something else. Today is her fifth birthday. She's five today. And so, yeah, I mean, I can't believe where the time went. Uh, I know I'm going to blink and she's going to be driving, and I can't handle that. So, no, the dating part, she's never going to date more. <laughs> Amen, Cece. But we threw a party for her. And for the last week and a half, two weeks, we've been making the arrangements, working, getting up early, going to bed late, coming home from church, doing more work, getting this thing ready just to have a party. And it was a great event. We had fun, we had family, we had food. She had a good time, we had a good time. It was fantastic. We even let Abby stay up a little late, play with some of her toys, 
we gave her an extra piece of cake. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, this is all good things, right? I mean, when you're a child, you've got extra time with toys with no sisters bothering you. And the cake and the time with the family, it was wonderful. And then it was time for bed. And I think the result of that long day with all that fun and, and sun and the sugar kind of going down and the fact that she was tired and she really wanted to still play with her toys, suddenly my little angel, my darling, the one who had a joy all day long, became a real pill. And I think because I was really tired and the sugar was wearing off in me, that I became very angry. And I just didn't know what to do. I sat there, I go, I wanted to like knock sense into her, like, sweetie, you just had this great day, just shut up and go to bed. I mean, I don't know what to do. But I, again, I couldn't think. And so I did the only thing that made sense to me at the time. I went out to the living room and I said, Jamie, you deal with your daughter. Is <laughs> the best thing in the world, though, because my wife had the terms of peace. She knew what would bring peace. She knew that I needed a break. She knew that Abby needed a break for me. Jamie spent one minute with Abigail and she was passed out and everything was well with the world. Now I share this with you because in our reading from Luke, Jesus is coming to Jerusalem to bring peace. Jesus knew exactly what was needed. He knew exactly what this world needed. In fact, he had been making these great great arrangements from the very beginning for this day, Palm Sunday. He was preparing everything to bring peace to his city, Jerusalem. If you remember way back in Luke 9, after Jesus comes down from the Mount of Transfiguration, it says he set his face to Jerusalem. He was set, he was prepared, he was heading to Jerusalem to bring peace. In fact, if you read through all the scriptures of the Old Testament, all the scriptures pointed to the day when Jesus would come to Jerusalem to bring peace. David spoke of that day by saying, on that day glory will dwell in the land of the righteous and peace and righteousness will kiss each other. Or Micah, Micah said that when the Messiah would come to Jerusalem, he shall be their peace. Or in our reading from Isaiah that we began the service with, he said, rejoice with Jerusalem. Be glad for her. All you who love her, rejoice with her in joy. All you who mourn over her, that you may nurse and be satisfied from her consoling breast, that you may drink deeply and delight from her glorious abundance. For thus says the Lord, behold, I will extend peace to her like a river 
And that's where you get that song, I got peace like a river. I got... All of scripture was pointing to that day when the Messiah would come, when the Messiah would enter into Jerusalem and he would know what he's doing and he would bring peace. The peace that only God can give, the peace that passes all understanding. That's what Palm Sunday was about. The Messiah showing up. And everything about that day was for peace. Jerusalem. Shalom. Jerusalem's name in it means peace. And then what kind of animal is Jesus riding when he enters into Jerusalem? Is it a war horse? No, but a donkey. Does Jesus have behind him a legion of angels, a legion of an army as he enters into Jerusalem? No. He has a few bumbling disciples. Why? Because everything about that day was Jesus bringing peace to this world. Everything was about the kind of peace that Jesus brings. The kind of peace that was announced at Jesus' birth. When the angel said, glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace. Right? It was all about peace. But there's a problem. And there's always a problem. The people did not get it. Jesus says in verse 41, it says, as he, or as he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, Jesus wept over it and said, if you, even you, only had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. If you'd only known what was going to bring you peace, really saying, if you only knew that I'm the one bringing peace, but they didn't know. And so Jesus wept. Now there are three times in the Bible when Jesus weeps. Do you know the three times? This is one, obviously, Palm Sunday. The other two times, what are they? Lazarus' death and the Garden of Gethsemane. Each time he cries, it's very important. When he's crying over Lazarus' death, he's showing us that God cries over death, that God grieves, that God will suffer with us. Jesus suffered. He, it pained him when his, his friend died. The second time he grieved, well, in Garden Gethsemane, he's grieving, he's crying. Why? Because he's going to face death. He's going to face rejection. He's going to face separation from God. <laughs> and that undoes him. The very prospect of those things. But there's a third time, Palm Sunday. Jesus is coming to bring peace, but the people don't understand. They reject him. They don't get what he's doing. And so he cries because he knows what's going to happen. He knows that if they can't accept his peace, if they won't accept his peace, then guess what the other result is? It's war. 
And Jesus knows what's going to happen in AD 70. He knows the temple's going to be destroyed. He knows that Jerusalem's going to be surrounded. He knows they're going to rip Jerusalem apart, not leaving one stone on top of each other. He knows that, that parents and children are going to be murdered. He knows these things because they can't accept peace because we live in a world that can't accept God's peace and instead wars. And he knows this and he's crying. Because that's not how he made this place. And that's not his vision for this place. And here he's standing in front of the people. Saying, I can fix it all. And they don't get it. The disciples use all the right words. They say in verse 38, Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. So they use the right words. They use the word peace. But they think that what Jesus is going to do is he's going to come into Jerusalem. He's going to gather the faithful. He's going to gather a remnant of Israelites. They're going to grab their swords. They're going to kill Pilate. They're going to get the whole surrounding um, communities to come to Jerusalem, to flock there. There they're going to raise an army, and then they're going to march to Rome and knock off Caesar. Something like that. That's what's in their minds. That's what will bring peace. Kill the big guy, and then we'll be fine. Pharisees are, are no better in this. They think that Jesus, in order to keep peace, they have to quiet Jesus. Shh, Jesus, shh. Be quiet. Tell your disciples to be quiet. Don't get Rome's attention. Be a keeper of peace, Jesus. Let's just go with the, the status quo. Don't, don't ruffle any feathers. Let sleeping dogs lie. And of course, Jesus says, if my disciples would say nothing, the rocks would cry out on this day. Both thought, both groups, thought that the way of peace came by the right hand, by the hand of God, by the hand of force. Take up arms, take care of Caesar. Or be quiet and let Caesar rule. But either way, that's where peace comes. They forget that Jesus is peace. Are we any different though? Don't we fall into the same trap? I mean, aren't we people trying to, to find peace on our own terms? If I just solve my bank account, then I'm going to have peace. If, if those neighbors of mine would simply leave, <laughs> I'll have peace. If, if that reform passes, I'll have peace. If it doesn't pass, I'll have peace. If that person's elected, finally I'll get peace. If that person's kicked out, oh, that will be great. If we win this war, wonderful, everything's going to be right. If we get out of this country, then everything's going to be right. We all fall into this trap. We all are thinking that if we solve this then we're going to have peace. But what happens? You solve this, and then something else comes. Because on God, the right hand of power will not bring peace. 
Jesus knows that. He's standing in front of the people saying, don't look for the right hand of power to bring peace. Instead, God has a left hand, a subtle hand, a hand that will bring peace a very different way. Not by conquering, but by being conquered. Not by defeating, but being defeated. Not by getting rid of the enemies, but by becoming the enemy. By being nailed on the cross. That's what's going to bring peace. When the earthquake in Haiti struck, there were two Lutherans who were seminary students, husband and wife. And they were in Haiti, and they were working at a school, a Lutheran school. And there the earthquake happened. And when it happened, they were both in the same room, and the roof fell down, and the wife got out, and the husband did not. Well, the wife got her senses, and she ran back to the opening of what was left of, of that room. She cried out for her husband, and she could hear his voice. And he was singing. And she was so distraught, because it was getting weaker and weaker and weaker and weaker. And, and here she is, and she's just saying, honey, I'm okay, are you okay? And he just kept singing. And at the very end, as he was singing, she said, I love you. I will always love you, and just keep singing, honey. He did for a few more moments, and then he sang these last words, God's peace to us, we pray. And then he died. His name was Ben. Ben understood what the crowd did not understand. Ben understood that peace does not come by getting rid of things. Peace does not come by having a big bank account. Peace does not come by having perfect health. Peace is found in one person, and that is Jesus Christ. And his peace is a peace that lasts forever. And so he could sing. Jesus' tears on Palm Sunday were tears because the world doesn't get it. The world thinks that this, we'll fix it and then it's all going to be okay, but that's not true. And so what did Jesus do instead? He did more than just cry. He got on that donkey. He rode straight into Jerusalem. He was nailed to a cross. He suffered what the world from the world's hand to give us peace. Not the world's peace, but the peace of God. The peace that passes all understanding. The peace that the Apostle Paul speaks of when he says, therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God. That's what Jesus brings. And don't you see, that's the good news of Palm Sunday? That God is at peace with you. He's not warring against you. 
that God is saying to the whole world, I will come down, I will ride on a donkey, I will come in a gentle way to, say, to show you, to explain to you, to proclaim to you that I love you, that your sins are forgiven, that I want you with me forever, that I will do what it takes, and I will say it and get nailed to a cross if that's what's needed. In order so that you might know and trust and believe that God is for you, He's not against you, that God loves you, that He wants you to be with Him forever. And God doesn't stop just there. God comes and enters into humble bread, humble wine to say the same thing. God enters into humble water, in the waters of baptism, say, You're mine. God enters into a book, a holy book, and speaks to you so that He might declare His love to you. God commands us to gather together to worship. Why? Because he has that word for you over again. So that you would know, so that you would trust, so that you would believe that this doesn't bring peace, the right hand, but the left, the left hand of God, God's love, his mercy, his grace, his forgiveness. That's the message of Palm Sunday. That's the message of Christianity. You have peace with God. God has peace with you. I can't wait for that last day. Because then we'll believe it. Because we'll be with God face to face. And we will be at peace. The peace that Ben knew. Let us pray. Holy and gracious Father, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is he. Blessed is our Lord Jesus. Gracious Father, we ask that you would help us to believe that blessed Jesus came and died for this world, died for us, so that we would have peace with you. Oh Lord, inside our hearts get so filled with turmoil and our minds get filled with so many thoughts and doubts. Sin is all around us. And yet, Lord, the message of Christ on this day and every day is that he is our peace and that you are at peace with us. Oh, Lord, help us to trust those words. We pray these words in Jesus' name. Amen.